Welcome to another episode of Unleashing the Future of Work, a guy podcast live. I hope you're tuning in safe and healthy, no matter where you're tuning in from. Today, I have a few special guests with me. First off, Arlen Hamilton, who has built a venture capital fund from the ground up while homeless. She is the founder and managing partner of Backstage Capital, a fund that is dedicated to minimizing funding disparities in tech by investing in high potential founders who are people of color, women, and or LGBT. Started from scratch in 2015, Backstage has now raised more than $7 million and invested in more than 130 startup companies led by underestimated founders. In 2018, Arlen co-founded Backstage Studio, which launched four accelerator programs for underestimated founders in Detroit, Los Angeles, Philadelphia, and London. And recently, she dropped her first book. <laughs> you know it. It's about damn time, which chronicles her journey in building backstage capital and why she's so passionate about leveling the playing field for underrepresented founders. And we're going to dive deep on her book and talk to a little bit about her journey, as well as, you know, her passion for entrepreneurship and helping underrepresented founders. With that said, let me bring on Arlen to the show. Hey, Arlen. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> how are you doing today? I'm all right. <laughs> What's going on with you? <laughs> um... So much is going on with me. What's not going on with me? Yeah, yeah. You know, how do you feel about everything going on in the world right now? Uh, well, everything is a lot. So I feel uh, I take things day to day yeah. and just try to really understand how I'm thinking and feeling about things and, and you know, respect that and mm. not try to try to fight being human. But I think I think there's a lot going on. It's some of it's very traumatic and some of it's very all of it's very important. Yeah. You know, why do you feel as if it was the right time to to share it's about damn time with the world? Well, I think, you know, the, the book was gonna come out regardless because it's that's the schedule and that kind of in publishing world that happens about a year out, a year and a half out, actually, the schedule. So I I I, I had really no control over when it came out, but I think that the fact that it did come out in a pandemic and now in a, in a, um, a revolution, if you yeah. will, I think that the, the messages and the understandings and the, what I, what I'm trying to get across in the book have been really helpful to people and helpful to me. I, I mean, I, I I'm taking what I've said before to heart in these yeah. moments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, I've read the book uh, a few times, actually, and even read it before our interview. And, you know, there's so much that people don't see behind the scenes that goes into building a backstage capital and really just the hustle of entrepreneurship. You know, I want you to touch a little bit about, you know, who is someone that motivated you to keep going as you built backstage? Because there's a lot of people you mentioned in the, in the, in the book, and I don't want to spoil it for people. But who is someone that really, you know, you know, that, that you recall really helping you build what you have now? I, what what kept me going has always been the founders, and always will be. I think the founders that we're that we're reaching, um, definitely people on the team. Backstage has had uh, dozens of people working in different ways, uh, full time, part time, contract, etc. Different times we've been much bigger teams, and we've built out huge uh, initiatives like our accelerator, our four city, two country accelerator took 40 plus people to put together. Um, so 
it has been all the combination of all of those people. Mm. You can see it in, in everything that we do today. You can see someone's fingerprint on it, you know, which is really great. And then there have been people who have been here for a while and have been throughout this whole change with me. And um, and so I think that's that's who, uh, yeah, the team is really, really some a group of people that I can look to. Yeah, yeah. You know, in the in the in the book, you you mentioned uh, a certain someone, San Sebastian. <laughs> hey, San Sebastian, Mrs. San Sebastian, if you're watching. And you know, for a lot of people, who don't get that reference. They have to read the book. But it actually chronicles a moment in the book where you and your mom, you know, were in a store, and you were met actually by some adversity, someone that really disrespected you all in that moment. But you all have used that as, you know, since since that moment as an opportunity to laugh about the challenges in life. I want you to talk a little bit more. How has your, you know, your relationship with you and your mom grown as your career and the movement you've been building has blossomed? Hmm, I think so. Yeah, San Sebastian is definitely something you got to check out in the book. It's, it's, uh, it's been very helpful to us. It can be helpful to you, I'm sure. Um, I don't know if our relationship has grown because of the work that I'm doing or, I mean, she, you know, she could probably answer differently. And I know she's probably watching as well. Um, but I think it's grown just because of my, like, the older I get and the more I understand and the older I am and the more that I am the age she was when she had me. And then, you know, when she had my brother and I understand her more as a person and as a woman, I think that's helped us grow. And then also uh, as it relates to my work for so long, we were always just playing catch up. We were always just keeping head above water, like the good time song, you know, we were just always, in survival mode. Yeah. And so we kind of had to, it's almost like being out in the desert and just kind of having to get across it. You don't have the time to really sit across from each other and, and have s such a, a, a deep relationship. Although we, we, we did. Um, so now it's more like we get to enjoy each other's company. Yeah. We get to talk to each other even more so than we would have before because Every day, we're not looking at the bank account and wondering how we're going to pay the rent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And overcoming and really now in a position to thrive. Yeah, I'm in a position to. I'm, I'm setting myself up to, for sure. Yeah. You know, I want you to talk a little bit more about, because you're incredibly passionate about the work you do with underrepresented founders. And many of the founders in your portfolio company, you know, <laughs> they are a testimony to your passion and, and, and the grit and how you stand to bat for them. You know, right now, COVID-19 is really shaking, um, I think, the le level of the playing field to a degree for any entrepreneur who wants to build something um, new in this era. Mm -hmm. And I want to ask, you know, what are your three tips for entrepreneurs looking to build a strong community around their business? This is something you've been doing way before Backstage Capital and you document it in the book. But what are you what is your practical framework for it? For building mission? Yeah, yeah. For building mission and community. And community. Well, um, definitely we, we think we talk a lot about networking. Mm. Like we talk about networking skills and, and I think those are very important because a lot of people including myself uh, aren't especially if you're introverted or haven't been around a lot of people in your lane yet um, don't know how to kind of navigate that world but more important more important to me than networking is network mm. because what I understand is that no matter how broke I was no matter how um you know, terrible the situation might have been at any given time 
or even uh, uh, doing okay. You know, it wasn't all bad, of course. So it, no matter where I was, though, and even today, I didn't have what I didn't have in capital. I made up for in network. Mm. I had people who I could reach out to to ask questions, and I built that one by one by one over years and years and years of time. Yeah. So it wasn't anything that you can just kind of, you know, do the right ad on Facebook and, and then you got this community or do this. It, it really took years and years and years of, mm. of intentional re- reaching out to people or being available to people from all walks of life at all different levels in life. A lot of people go out to people who have already made it. Yeah. You know, they probably have their network set up at that point. Yeah. You're talking to people when you see something in them. Find those gems, you know, those yeah. those uh hidden gems. Doing that, but then also the second thing was the reason that the, I could attract it was because I was using my voice. Mm. I was giving my opinion about something in any given time. And some of it was, you know, you look back 10 years ago and I'm like, oh, why did I write that? Or why did I say that? <laughs> but that's just life, right? We all have that. So you kind of have to, you kind of have to just go out and be yourself no matter what, because you're never going to get it perfect. So having like a, a strong sense of who you are, but even if you can't do that just yet, having strong opinions Mm. that are yours not that you conjure up and that you make so you can get attention but thinking about different topics or one main topic in different ways and having a strong opinion about it and being able to express that opinion whether it's through speaking uh, online or it's through uh, doing a video or writing or podcasting any of those things when you share that you attract people who have the same opinions and who have dissenting opinions and you want both in a, in a combination to be attracted to you so you can continue to grow and, 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 and as that happens, your network grows. So mm-hmm. it's not like I had at 25, you know, the 10 billionaire phone numbers in my pocket. That wasn't the point because you know what? At 39, I do. Mm-hmm. The reason I have it at 39 is because at 25, I was putting out into the world, my opinion. I was, um, Offering something uh, um, without anything expected back. I didn't let the fact that I was broke stop me from thinking about my future. All those things. So it's it's like this conscious effort to connect with the world and to to be curious about what the world has to unfold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And using your platform to be a platform because you're one of the, you know, many VCs who, you know, I've, I've followed on Twitter. I'm like, man, this is authentic. Everything that you put out is authentic. And <laughs> I think, you know, more importantly, you know, you understanding that you're not your circumstance too. Um, the power of actually building relationships beyond just, you know, your, your, your peer view. I think it's actually a powerful testament to your success. You know, I want to show love to Manic who is saying basically, you know, he's asking, he wants to actually, he has a vision of normalizing queernessness and it's been almost a year since he started thinking about this and having a conversation with people how do you start changing that mindset of people where people assume that a woman's partner should be a man and asking people how's your mom and dad how can a person change that Mm. well i don't know if a person can change it Mm. um i don't know and i also don't know how uh, old this person uh manic is but um I can already tell, I can already see that's different. You know, I've been watching a lot of 80s and 90s, like comedies for the most part with my wife, 
who is uh, German and didn't see a lot of these growing up. She saw very specific ones. Like she loves Alf for some reason, but <laughs> <laughs> they played it there for some reason. Um, but I've been watching these shows and like uh, these uh, these these movies, and I love these movies, you know. And then like watching it, you're going along and you're just like, oh, it's so funny, it's so great. Watch this part, and then they'll say something so homophobic or so yeah. transphobic, or a whole plot line will be transphobic and you're like, Oh my goodness, this is what I grew up watching. Didn't even notice how easy it was for them to do that. Um, that's eighties and nineties. That's so different than today. And even five years ago, it was different. And 10 years ago, it was different. And maybe even a year ago it was different. It's like this frog boiling thing. I hate to use that analogy because some people it might offend, but like, you know, they talk about frog boiling, like the frog doesn't know it's being boiled because yeah. it's, 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 a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, and it's nuanced. and And I think that we're we're getting better and better. It takes people like Manic asking the question and doing mm -hmm. something about it. It's and it's it has to be kind of a a, a group effort. It's in it's in whatever your medium is. Um, if you are an entrepreneur, if you are an artist, a lot of times people are both just in what they do. Um, whatever your medium is, using that medium to hyper-focus on that mission, you are, you are a reflection, you're reflecting back to people and mm -hmm. you're giving them something else to, to note, to, to look at as they grow up or as they get older, um, that will help in the back of their mind shape it. So it's not going to happen overnight, but if you continue and you're steadfast, then it will happen uh, at a point. Yeah. And it's the power of sharing information, right? Right. Uh, and, and, and really actually understanding that if you have information, you are the money. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. And you touch on that a lot in the book. Mm -hmm. So if you guys have not checked out, it's about damn time. I'm going to actually share the link to Arlen's website. It's about damn time with you. So you can check out the book. I have it on Audible and I'm actually going to be getting a physical copy very, very soon. But it's probably well, how do you like the how do you like the audible? It's actually great. I love the fact that you read it. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, I liked it. I liked reading it. I that's how I listen to most books. I have I have all these bookshelves behind me. I've read most of these books, but but it's because they're on Audible or on Apple book uh, books or any kind of audio version. Even the library has audio books uh, available to rent sometimes. Yep. So. Um, I just love the audio version because it's immediate. You can just get it immediately in most cases. And it's usually like half the price of the hardcover. And so I'll do a combination. I'll get the audio first, listen to it, and then I'll have the physical copy come in whenever so I can re reference it. I love that. That's that's so powerful. So Grace is, is showing you love. Why I didn't have in capital, I made it up in network. Wow, so good. Shout out to you, Grace. You know, there's a Facebook user here saying, go out, be yourself. You're never going to get it perfect. Having a strong opinion and being able to express it, really enjoying hearing from you both, Tim and Arlen. Thank you so much. And Manic is feeling you. I think we have gone too far with analogies. Thank you so much, Arlen. I love your attitude. And also, Manic is 22 years old. 22. So you're just you're just getting started and you have so much open field to kind of just just kick everything down and start over. It's, it's beautiful. It's a great, great age to be. 
Yeah, yeah. So Arlie, you do a lot of speaking engagements virtually and offline as well. And I actually really wanted to make sure we asked this question because your energy is through the roof. You're always active, ready to go for everything. <laughs> Seriously. I don't know so, if people agree with that. <laughs> so what is your self-care regimen? Because you talk a lot about taking care of your body, taking care of your mind. Yeah. Um, also, you know, how you overcame alcoholism in your book yeah. as well. Yeah, a lot. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be here if I if I didn't stop drinking. Um Three years ago now, Whew, that's incredible. Three years ago, I would not be here. I would maybe be alive, hopefully, hopefully. I don't know if though, to be honest. But if I were, uh, hopefully, uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have been able to do all the things I'm doing. You know, um, so I that is part of the self care is just maintaining that. And that is not, it's not so much a daily thing for me now. It used to be, of course, but it's not daily anymore. Um, it is something that is just part of me being sober from alcohol. Um, I also like I have um, starting last year, I started having really bad back problems and I had it when I was on the road, which is really bad because I had to kind of go to all these emergency rooms and do all this stuff. So I have a better understanding of my back now and I know my limitations and I know I can I can sense when things are going to get uh, painful. And so I can kind of get myself in, a, in the right place for that. And so taking care of myself and not ignoring those signs, like I would have done in the past, that's self-care. Uh, and that's very helpful. Like right now I'm standing up on a standing desk. And usually mm -hmm. I'm sitting down when I, when I have this sort of uh, conversation, but it's because my back hurts and I know exactly how I can stand to have the stamina. Um, and then I, I, Every day, well, it used to be that every day, every weekday, I could watch General Hospital because I've been watching that for 25 years. <laughs> but they stopped. They had to stop in the middle, like the end of May because, they, of course, COVID. They're going to come back, though, very soon, I'm hoping. So I'll go back to that. And it, for me, that's like a non-negotiable. I'm going to watch my General Hospital no matter how crazy the day is. And that just takes me out. It takes me, you know, on a like in a, in a place that has nothing to do with venture and nothing to do with uh, a lot of the stuff that we had to deal with. And I also watch a lot of, uh, I watch Rachel Maddow every day so that um, I can yell at the screen at least once a day. You know? <laughs> I, I love her. I love her, but she's always, she's always like letting me know about some stuff I didn't know about. And I'm like, Oh man, it's worse than I thought. Oh, and I'm yelling. And, um, and then it's really about like on the weekends now that we've been, um, um, I was going to say stranded. We were kind of stranded here, stranded here for the since March 4th. I think I've been here. I've oh. left the house twice, March 4th, wow. left the house twice, my wife and I, um, and we make sure we watch at least one movie that she's never seen. And like I mentioned earlier, we watch one movie that she hasn't seen or that I haven't seen or that we watch some or some Netflix thing or something series. Uh, like we watched dead to me a couple of, like a month ago and wow. we binged on that, which was great. Um, and so that to me is like, I, she can tell you, she even said yesterday, you know, it's like just constant. I am constantly bombarded. And yeah. I have from the moment I wake up until the moment I go to sleep, there is a constant tug at me. Mm. And I have to say, and I think we all do, we have to say what we are allowing people to take from us. Mm. And so we, I just have boundaries that are so much clearer than they used to be. And uh, I had to, well, I had to learn the hard way. I think maybe it's okay to learn the hard way hmm. that boundaries are the most important, like boundaries of your time is like the most valuable thing that you can put up for yourself because hmm. the world will keep on spinning. If you don't take that phone call or you don't check your email that 15th time that day, it will keep on spinning. It, 
there's a lot to do and there's a lot to figure out, but you know, you have to start thinking. One of the things I do is I think about if I have a question about should I work on something or not immediately. Mm. I say, well, is this going to affect me a year from now? Mm. Is this going to affect someone else a year from now? And if it won't affect someone a year from now so much, then I will put it, you know, triage it. Wow. Wow. That's powerful. That's probably not, I think that's such a powerful way to think about the exponential effect of the work that you're doing now. Like, is it impactful two, three years from now? Yeah. Not only to you, but to other people. Incredible other people. Effect. Anybody can do that. Anybody can say it, put it in those terms and it just changes things. It changes your day. It changes what you what energy you put out, wh what things you're willing to say yes to and what things you know you can say no to. You can say no. Like no is an okay answer, even if it's something that you would have liked to have done or they would have liked you to have done. No is an appropriate answer a lot of the time. Yeah, that's powerful. It's okay to say no and have boundaries, y'all. So, you know, Arlen, will there be an It's About Damn Time 2 or a movie, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> the book was that good. Oh, thank you. Um, did you. What was the second part of the question? Will there be will, a part two there or? Be it's About Damn Time Part 2 or a movie? Oh, well... <laughs> so we haven't made an official announcement about this um but the book has been optioned for television or a movie wow you heard it here first folks so we'll see and i i'm not gonna make a big thing about it but we'll see what happens because a lot of times books will get optioned and that just means a, a, a production company has a certain amount of time to build it and make it and then it doesn't go anywhere. So that could very well happen. Um, but it was, it, there was a lot of interest from Hollywood because, you know, you have this sort of pursuit of happiness story and it's, it's easy to kind of see how it could become something. I didn't want it to necessarily become like a direct, like this is my story and this is the direct, because I don't think that anybody could get it right. Yeah. But I like the idea of you taking it and it inspiring another like a TV show and it's kind of like a funny take on it or it's a different take on it. I would love that. And so that's what that's what we're we're we're, we're seeing. But you know, COVID came in and kind of knocked everybody around. So <laughs> we'll see what happens when it's it, uh, I think it would be really interesting finding someone to play you. <laughs> yeah, I have a couple of ideas. People have some really interesting ideas, and I'm like, whoa, you that <laughs> That's amazing that you would even say that, but I have some other ideas. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't get to choose. Uh, ultimately, I do have a voice in it because, you know, of course, I made it possible for me to have a voice in that. I wasn't going to be told what to do, but uh, it is a by committee. So we shall yeah. see. I love it. I love it. Arlen, thank you so much for being on today's episode of Unleashing the Future Work, A Guy Podcast. What's your takeaway for our amazing community so they can continue building the future they want to see? Oh, my takeaway is really, I know I'm, I'm selling a book, so you would expect me to say this, but I really encourage you to get this book. It's not just a book like, okay, I'm going to have it on the shelf and it's going to be, I'm glad I got it or, you know, whatever. It really has been thousands and thousands and thousands of people since May 5th have reached out to me to tell me that it has changed the way they think about their company. It has helped them with the ideas they're working on. It has helped them with their future, all sorts of things. And so it's like this, it's not a blueprint whatsoever, but it is something that can help you in a very strong way that I wasn't even expecting would be the case. But so many people from different backgrounds have said that. So I get all these messages from people like, well, how can I get investment from you? Or how can I start my company? How can I do this? The book is where you start. The mm. book is where you start because I, the reason I wrote it was to put 
all of those thoughts and you've read it. So you can probably speak a little bit more to that. But the reason I wrote it was to put the, all of that in one place, in an accessible place mm-hmm. at an accessible price point that people can have. And then you go from there. Um, and then I just say, um, all of this is ours. Yeah. All of this is ours. We are not anybody's guests on this planet or in this uh, country. We're not anybody's guests. We do not have to ask for permission to have what is ours and to go after what is ours. Mm-hmm. So uh, we are all inherited. You know, inher- we, we are owed an inheritance mm-hmm. uh, just like anybody else. So I would just say go for it. Whatever you're working on, be very intentional. Think about how it's going to affect you and other people. Do no harm, but go for it. You only had the one time. I love it. Thank you so much, Arlen. Appreciate you. Thank we you. gotta have you on for a future episode too. Yeah, we love it. We love it. <laughs> thank you, Arlen. Talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. Bye, Bye everybody. <laughs> wow. And that was just the first part of today's live episode of Unleashing the Future of Work, a guy podcast. Coming up, I have an amazing Shiro of mine as well. Man, Lola Omolola, she is one of my favorite community builders in the world. But we're going to take a little bit of a break, and then I'm going to bring her on. But please definitely go out, get Arlen's latest book. It's about damn time. It's a powerful book. And I think for me, as an entrepreneur, seeing how much Arlen Hamilton has achieved and thinking about what's going on in the world right now in terms of the movements that are happening, whether it be related to the Black Lives Matter movement or how we're thinking more about public health and everything else, the book is well-timed. And more importantly, it's practical and it's motivational and helping people realize that, look, you don't have to take second fiddle or a backseat at anything. And you are in control of your career and more importantly, your destiny, right? And whatever you want to build. So I'm always an advocate of building your own movement So definitely get Arlen's book. With that said, we're going to take a break for about 20, 30 minutes. We're still going to be streaming live. But up next, I have once again, Lola Omolola. I'm really excited about her. We're going to talk everything related to community. She's built one of the greatest communities in the world in Finn, which is a 1.7 million member, 1.7 million member community for women of color and people who are disenfranchised. And it's probably one of the greatest stories and one of the strongest communities out there in the world. So I'm really excited to have her come and talk a little bit about inclusivity as well as how do you build community? I think it's going to be a really awesome episode with her. So definitely check us out soon. With that said, y'all, talk to you all soon.
Okay, back to the regularly scheduled program. Thank you so much for those of you who have been tuning into the stream during this amazing break. My next guest, I'm really excited about her because she's like one of my heroes and someone I'm incredibly inspired by her work and all of the awesome things that she does. I'm actually going to be going live with Lola Omolola. And Lola Omolola builds communities that changes people's lives forever and for the better. <laughs> She's a consultant, workshop facilitator, and keynote speaker who gives organizations and audiences the tools to mobilize people and strategically build community for good. As the founder of Female In, which is Finn, a Facebook and offline community with close to 1.7 million members from more than 100 countries, she leads and develops structures and systems to amplify women's voices. She's been recognized by Mark Zuckerberg himself and Melinda Gates herself, the BBC, NPR, Newsweek, Reuters, VOA, The Guardian, Los Angeles Sentinel, I think is how you pronounce it, and Chicago Tribune, and countless international media outlets. And today we're going to be talking about a wide variety of things, inclusivity, building community, and also her amazing and dynamic background and how she led and how it led her to building Finn. With that said, you know, let me bring on Lola to the show. Lola, what's up? Hey Tim, I'm so excited to be here. You know, I've been I've been looking forward to getting this opportunity to have a talk with you, and suddenly it's happening. Wow, I love it. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. Of course, Lola. Of course, it's truly an honor to have you on. You know, where are you tuning in from, by the way, Lola? I live in Chicago, yeah. um, which is a really beautiful city when it's nice and warm in the summer. Yeah. But today it's been super rainy, so. <laughs> We're just kind of rolling with it. Yeah, yeah. How have you been hanging there given everything going on with the state of the world? Um, you know, just like everybody else, uh, yeah. I've been, you know, there are, there are moments of uh, anger, yeah. there are moments of deep sadness, and there are moments of hope. So it just basically comes in waves, you know, moments when you just feel like, nothing can stop, you know, can stop this, you know, new train where lots of people are standing up and there's a larger coalition um, against brutality, um, uh, against black bodies. And it's just really a wonderful time to be alive. So, you know, those emotions have come in waves, good, bad, not so good, but we're just kind of rolling with it overall. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I love that. And I can relate with that a hundred percent. You know, I would love for you to share a little bit with us about, you know, what led you to starting Finn and, you know, your background before building Finn. A lot of people don't know you have been a successful disc jockey slash radio DJ <laughs> on your personality uh, yep. you know, another lifetime. I would love for you to share a little bit about your background with us, Lola. Um, I have spent a majority of my youth, well, I like to still think that I'm, I still have youth or some youth, <laughs> but I have spent the largest part of the, my earlier life in broadcasting so that I see myself as a career broadcaster. So I've worked in radio. Um, in, I was raised and born and raised in Lagos, Nigeria. Um, so, you know, I fell in love with journalism when I was actually checked into school to, you know, for law. I was accepted to the university to study law. And then, you know, I'm thankful that didn't work out because 
you know, there was a strike, you know, there were, there were strikes in colleges. I think something about payments, mm. I think there was a riot. I think it was a riot or something. And then the school was on hold for, you know, about two years. So there was no school. School was shut down for about two years. So I wasn't able to go back to school to start studying law, which was not all bad for me because I really never wanted to be a lawyer. It's one of those things that you're doing because everybody thinks that you have the, you know, the chops to be a lawyer, but it wasn't really who I wanted to be and what I wanted to do. And it was at that point that I checked into school to be a journalist. And, you know, I spent, I have you know, gone to school as a journalist, you know, spent majority of my life working in all kinds of media, both radio, written media, um, uh, television, visual media, and even interactive media, you know, on the internet. So I do love the media a lot. So my earlier life was, you know, was really working as a beat journalist, reporting as an entertainment journalist, covered the Grammy Awards a few times. So, wow. You know, I, I had, I, I think that I got to the zenith of, you know, my life in the media and, and I loved it. Yeah. No, so at what moment did you realize you wanted to build community, right? Because, you know, it's, it's been a natural part of your identity for so long being in media. You know, media builds community, being able to broadcast to a wide variety of audiences, but also cultivate them around maybe an event such as the Grammys, but also, you know, a a, a movement in a sense. You know, what moment for you did you realize, you know what, I want to build something that is bigger than myself? Well, um, there are certain choices that you don't make for yourself and it just kind of chooses you. I know that it sounds cliche whenever people say this, but it isn't in my case, it could not be more, you know, accurately true. So essentially from a very early age, I had been tuned into issues relating to women. I care. I am that, I'm, you know, the girl that you can refer to as the girl's girl. Yeah. Uh, I, I am the one who listens. I'm the one who is super compassionate. And I also have, you know, what has been called a cerebral ability to connect with women on in meaningful ways. And so I don't take that skill and that gift uh, for granted at all. But uh, so that has been on one side, something that I had been looking forward to do is find out and figure out ways to, on a large scale, help to, um, you know, walk with women in a way that can help to resolve their problems, let them know that they're not alone and so on and so forth. And then a a tragic event happened in 2014 uh, where armed men stormed a school in Northern Nigeria. You may have heard of the Bring Back Our Girls campaign uh, that was why, you know, that was why that was uh, that was a thing. The Bring Back Our Girls campaign was to essentially gain support for the government of Nigeria to help rescue close to 300 girls that have been had been kidnapped by armed men. So this particular event directly led to my creation of our community on Facebook because wow. I, I did not really know you know, how to resolve that issue from where I stood as a regular woman. But what I knew was that I wanted to find other women who were like me, people who were as concerned, who were as haunted by that event. And that was why I started, that was why I went to Facebook to create our group, uh, Female In. And surprisingly, it didn't only connect. I wasn't only able to find women who were as concerned as I was. I wanted to do something to change the tide, which is essentially women, uh, our voices not being valued within the system. And so that was why, you know, I created the group and it ended up becoming a movement, which nobody plans for. 
Yeah, no one, no one ever plans on a movie. No, yeah, <laughs> you don't plan it small. It just cascades up. You know, and, you know, you told me, you know, in some of our past conversations that you know you you spent a lot of time in Finn, and I think what's so powerful about what you're saying was that it was just an event, a moment that really shook you to building Finn. And I think what's so interesting is that Finn has only been around for six years now. It's not, it's not even five years. It's four five, years. Five years. It's not even five. You know, yeah, it's yeah. not even five years. And, you know, it's already at 1.7 million members and the sky is literally the limit. You know, I want to ask you, you know, what have been some of the challenges, the emotional challenges, mental challenges that you face in growing such an amazing community? Um, you know, it's one of those things where you think you have an idea hmm. of stories that are going to come out and the way people are going to interact. And uh, because of my own understanding of what life feels like to the women, majority of the women that I serve, you think you have it covered. And then a community happens where every single day we're sharing our deepest, darkest, rawest, most vulnerable moments. And you realize you were not ready. Mm. That is what happened. So essentially from day to day, we are listening to one another. We are seeing one another and hearing one another. And I, I mean, it broke me. The first couple of weeks was essentially me sitting on a couch in this room and weaving, waving back and forth, crying my eyes out. Like mm -hmm. I would read some stories about uh, sexual, uh, all forms of sexual abuse that mm -hmm. women are going through and uh, see domestic violence in a way that is as vivid as I have ever seen it. And that would, you know, it, and see that there are no systemic safety nets to actually help to make a difference for folks who are suffering those experiences. It was, it was really hard. Emotionally, it was really, really difficult. I mean, even now you think you've seen it all and then something happens to an amazing woman who did not deserve it. And it takes you right back to those early days on the community. So yes, the, the challenges of starting a community that is essentially a support group um, to really dig into people's lives and defy a culture, uh, a deeply ingrained culture of silence is, uh, is, is, is very highly tasking. Uh, it is very taxing emotionally, even when it comes to resources, this is very taxing. And it's, uh, you know, and then the fact that we spent, we're working the community from sunup to sundown every day, that is also physically taxing. And then talking about also the sacrifices we're making because I have an all volunteer team. And so you can imagine uh, that all around it, it is taxing, but I believe that it is worth it. And mm. that's what it comes down to. If we don't do it, no one will. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I think uh, it's one of the things about being a community leader is that you have to take initiative and you have to go beyond whatever your circumstances and make it happen and continue to do so. And the consistency, you know, I want to ask you because, you know, you're one of the very few women who continue to take this initiative and you continue to also amplify other women, be a platform for them. Given the times that we're living in, you know, what do you recommend that the women that who are watching this do to really start taking that leadership and understand that they can own the table? Ah, there's so many there. I like, I could go on for days on this one. Yeah. And the truth of the matter is each and every one of us can create change. I am a regular woman from modest means. I don't come from money. 
I don't come from, I don't have an unlimited amount of resources, but I of course acknowledge my privilege in that I have internet access. There are lots of people who do not have access to, you know, to the world and they're doing different things within their own communities. This is, these are options that are all available to all of us, but I think it begins with a sense of social responsibility. Mm. Do you care? Do you care? And I think we all should. Um, you know, one of the reasons why, one of the things I tell myself when, you know, when I get, I feel exhausted or when I've cried my eyes out for, you know, for, for hours and I'm like, oh my God, is this worth it? Am I really creating change? And I'm constantly asking myself those questions. But one of the biggest things that comes to my mind, and I'm going to tell this to you, if you are thinking about where, what you should be doing with your life. What I think about is for the benefits, some of the benefits that I am getting today, Tim, some of the benefits that I get to enjoy, my ability to be sitting here right now to talk to you That's is because it came about because some people actually died for this benefits that I enjoy today. Mm. People died for every single right that I get to enjoy right now. Every Everyone, my ability to talk back, my ability to actually come on here and say, oh, I feel something. I'm going to express what I'm feeling. My ability to have access to every, even my the air I breathe is because I'm standing on the shoulders of other people who have gone before me mm. and many of whom have died for the benefits that I have. So I feel like if other people, humans just like myself, are able to sacrifice so much for so long and that I get to enjoy the impact of you know the work, the fights that they had, I have to contribute as well. I have to contribute. And if we each come to our you know daily lives with that mindset that what can I contribute to make a difference? Mm -hmm. You don't have to have it all figured out. I didn't know what I was doing to start with, but you just have to have the will and then spend your time learning and gaining the skill, you know, but at the end of the day, it really comes down to whether you care enough to serve other people. And that's it. Care, initiative, empathy. That's so powerful, Lola. And, you know, it's a, it's a very sombering view in realizing, realizing that even, you know, you and I, we have privilege. <laughs> yeah, it is privilege. Your yeah. privilege. How are you using your privilege to be a platform? Yeah. Mm -hmm. that, that, that's what it comes down to. Um, you know, I, I know that in today's age, the word privilege, you know, has take, taken on, you know, several different meanings. And I actually love that we're having that conversation. I think mm. we all have different layers of privileges. I mean, it's not only one group of people that have privileges. We can, we can be privileged in a situation and be uh, oppressed in mm. another situation. You know what I'm saying? We can even be privileged in one angle of one situation and still be oppressed in another angle of the same situation. So I think that you know nuance is so, so important. But at the end of the day, whenever we have the ability, whenever we have the means, whenever we have the options, we have to consider that other people do not have those options. And I feel like we need to take the time and care enough to understand and acknowledge those people's experience and do better and maybe provide platforms for them to shine, you know, uh, some of the time. Mm -hmm. Let's talk a little bit more about inclusion and inclusivity, yeah. Yeah. right? And in a lot of the work that you do as a, as a community leader is you're 
often creating inclusive places where people can thrive, um, especially the women in your community. You know, you and I have talked before about why right now, inclusive thinking, inclusive leadership is more important than ever. I would love for you to share a little bit about how you define inclusive leadership. You know, I, first, I have to start by letting you know that I have the benefits of actually creating, mm -hmm. uh, you know, content and, you know, creating thought pieces on inclusion. I, there's a new, an amazing product that I'm working on right now called Rising Team. I happen to have been accepted as a member of this team to help to explore ways to help managers be better coaches for their teams. Okay, mm -hmm. so you know it's not in beta. It's going to be in beta, you know, in summer, sometime towards the end of the summer. But, but this has essentially, you know, forced me. It's challenging me to see beyond what I already do in inclusion. You see, mm -hmm. when you lead the kind of community that I do, which is essentially a nation of 1.7 million women. <laughs> it's a nation. It's truly a nation. I mean, my my community by itself has more women in it than, you know, Las Vegas and <laughs> San Francisco, the, the population yeah. of Las Vegas, literally, and the, the population of Las Vegas and San Francisco is a 1.3 million people. And mm. I still had, there's 400,000 people more. So essentially the truth of the matter is, you know, when you're, 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 you're leading, you have the kind of platform uh, mm. that I do, you understand that the more people will leave out, the less impactful we can be overall. Mm. The less people we leave out that we don't create space for, the less useful, the loud, the least, you know, like we just, we take away from our productivity. We take away from ourselves. We take away from the amount of impacts we can create when we leave people out. So I'm gonna give you a quick example. When we just started our community fin, uh, our name was female in Nigeria. Mm. Female in Nigeria, because that is the woman that actually served as a catalyst, is because of that woman in Nigeria that I created mm. our community. And I wanted to be clear in the name of the community that mm. if you're a woman in Nigeria or from Nigerian descent, you're well, you, this is a story about you. You see what I'm saying? But even then, it was open to women from everywhere. The community had always been open to all women from everywhere. Mm. But guess what? I realized that posts started coming in from women from other places because we have we have created the right conditions and the right atmosphere for any woman who has a story to tell to mm. feel really cool and really comfortable and know that this is home for her as well. But because of the name of the community, many women did not feel like you know they were welcome and they would do posts and say, um, I'm not a woman in Nigeria, but... Yeah. <laughs> So we saw we saw a lot of that, you know. I'm not a female in Nigeria, but I was like, okay, we need to make a move so that no matter where you are in the world, no matter what the, your creed is, the color of your skin is, whatever it is, you are not differentiated from any other woman. All mm. you need to know is that if you are you are a woman or you identify as a woman, there is a home for you here too. So we dropped the geographical uh, the geographical limitation and our community has gone from female in Nigeria to female in, which essentially is female in anywhere. 
So, yeah. you know, so those are some of the choices that we are making to be more inclusive. And another one, if I have time to give you another quick one. Oh, you have time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Another, if I have time to give you another quick one, another one is we, we made some major, really, really bold decisions regarding um, how people interact on our community. Mm. You see, very easily, and this is one of the things that we don't really realize we're doing, but we are doing. We somehow, we sometimes talk individuals who we don't feel is educated enough or uh, have, have good grammar enough or speak mm. well enough. We, inch we push them out of conversations. And we, we, the, the way we interact often does not make the woman who doesn't feel like she has the right amount of education or attended the right amount of, uh, you know, the coolest school, would make her feel as if her voice is worth less without realizing it. So what we did in our community was we, we made it a policy, a policy, it's like a full-on policy that you, we do not correct people's grammar, period. Period. We don't we, we don't tell people we don't go into grammar Nazi mode yeah. ever. And it's yeah. really important. It may not seem like a lot, but it's really important because that way we understand the value of, you know, encouraging a woman who has a story to tell, to tell her story, regardless of what kind of education she has, regardless of what part of town she lives in. It doesn't make a difference. This is secondary to our ability to trust us, to trust in us enough to actually tell her experience to us. I think that, you know, th those are some of the things that we have done to create a more inclusive community and to ensure that regardless of where you are, yeah. if, if you are going through the same experiences as, you know, as we all, ha uh, all are, as minorities, you're struggling, um, in this case, as a woman, then, you are welcome on film. You know, it's so powerful because it's the little things that you've done to create that inclusive atmosphere. And I think about this in the context of organizations and how so many organizations fail to do just the little things. And I mean, um, a, a great proof of that is you just saying like, look, in our community, we're not going to chastise you or criticize you because you have a different educational background or you speak a certain type of way. And I think we often, and that, and that goes beyond, you know, you're saying let's move beyond these barriers of English or grammar or whatever it is and understand that we have the same shared human experiences. Yes, absolutely. 100%. Um, in the workplace, this could play out in several different ways. Hmm. Um, the truth of the matter is we don't take enough time to actually listen to perspectives that aren't, similar to ours. We don't really take the time. Um, it, it's really rather unfortunate. I was um, talking with a friend a few days ago and you know, I was using the fire festival as an example. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, the truth of the matter is with all of the work or well, all of the struggle that went into having such a devastating event that ended up not working out, I could see the glaring problems mm. and it began and ended with lack of inclusion. Mm. Uh, the truth of the matter is here we all are watching this in, intensely disastrous event and no one was asking any questions about whether the organizers of the event even tried to include the people, the indigents of the island. Nobody talks to them. If had the organizers had conversations with them, they would have known 
that you know they had another big event that was happening that was a, a local big event that was happening at the same time that the mm. fire festival was built to happen nobody asked nobody no. asked <laughs> nobody asked right if the organizers of the event had taken time to explore what was going on they would have known that the people who live on that island mm. they could do much more than just serve food they could have been able to give you actionable intel on what would have been the best time to have that event, what would have been the best time and how to facilitate moving people back and forth. I mean, these are very strategic, but very simple things. Just listening to the individuals who live there could have saved a lot of heartache. But what were we doing instead? They chose to only reach out to the influencers who were not locals, Mm. Boss in and fly in experts from everywhere, but from the local community. That is a problem. That's Those cool. are the things that we need to fix. Is us, you know, as business owners, business managers, actually mm. trying to understand how people work from you know different backgrounds. We all come from different backgrounds. A friend of mine was telling me the other day, she just moved from Pakistan, um, you know, uh, to Canada. And she was telling me, people are obsessed with having coffee, you know, inviting you to coffee or asking you to invite them to coffee. What is that about? <laughs> Why is everyone always asking, asking us to, be, to come for But I did explain to her that, you know, I understood the value of that for relationship building. However, it would have been great if someone had actually checked. You know, this is something that everybody does, but it, it would be great if someone actually checks to understand how that negates her own lived experience and the culture within which she grew up in. You see what I'm saying? So for instance, I get invited to, I, I get asked to go for coffee constantly as well to discuss work, but I find no value in that at all because mm -hmm. in my culture it's just not, what is that? So what yeah. I usually would do is counter and say, hey, why don't you, since you're gonna be in my city, why don't you just stop by in my house and I'll make you a great Nigerian meal. Yeah. So that is this is what I do because I the coffee just doesn't seem it it seems too casual. It yeah. seems like you you know it's you might as well have invited me to drink water for the value, <laughs> yeah for the value that it holds to me. So uh, what I'm saying at the end of the day is for us to take a step back mm -hmm. and try to you know try to not have an all size fits all approach to 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 life. And I think that that will help greatly with inclusivity is for us to understand the value of listening and actually asking and not assuming that everybody lives life the exact same way we do or see the value in you know some of the processes that we you know that has become regular and normal for us. It's yeah. a, it's an issue of respect and, and that's my perspective. Yeah. And I think people fail to to be inclusive when they assume that everyone has the same background or the same cultural intelligence or, you know, like when you assume that you are just as similar to a person you forget to realize the unique differences of, of people. And, you know, for me, you know, I, that's, as, you know, similar to you, a community builder, even just you sharing a little bit about what you're doing with Ben and, you know, just being mindful of certain customs, it's really hard to always keep inclusion at the forefront because you it's so very easy for you to assume that someone has the same level of intelligence as you because you're talking to them about the same thing, but you forget that there are so many things about this individual that's sitting across from me or my community of people who are or my team that make them so uniquely different. I don't even know yet, 
right? So how am I using that empathy and bringing that to the table in our conversations? I want to show love because you are speaking to so many people right now. You know, Sarah, shout out to Sarah, who's saying, wow, that was a really powerful statement. I wish more people thought like that. And I think she was speaking to earlier some of the things you've mentioned around inclusion and what led you to building Finn. Erica Benedum, who is a good friend of mine, is an amazing female leader, is saying absolutely loving hearing from Lola. So important to listen, see, and hear others. Do you care? Which is her biggest takeaway from some of the things that you've said. Manic is saying, Lola, hello. I read about you. You're amazing. <laughs> it is so inspiring and powerful. I want your perspective on something. Do you believe that our vision should be so big that it should not be achievable in one lifetime? Or should our vision be achievable in one lifetime? What do you think, Lola? Thanks for that question, Manic. I really appreciate the kind words. Um, allow me to say this. If our vision is achievable in one lifetime, it's not big enough. Woo! That is my perspective. I fully expect to die doing this. Mm. I have no question that what I'm going to do, my work, which is to end the culture of silence, not to reduce it, not to you know take it down a couple notches, to end. I mm. am here to end the culture of silence. It's really as simple as that. And I recognize that I will do this and die and have to and other people have to take on that baton and continue doing that in order for it to come to fruition one day there is no end in sight to my vision and that mission that i'm trying to achieve and i recognize that if you are able to resolve this in a lifetime then it's not big enough it's just really not and we need to think big. We have to think big. We have to want more than is achievable, than we even think is possible. Mm. I mean, my community, was it wasn't only unfathomable, the idea that I could bring women together, especially women from cultures that are historically, where our voices are historically devalued, uh, the idea that I could bring those people together and get them talking about their personal experiences was unfathomable to Everybody, unfathomable. Everybody told me it was never going to happen. You can't get African women to come to a place and share their experiences. That is never going to happen. It was unfathomable to everybody. But guess what? It was also unfathomable to me. But it was still important. I did not have any expectation of, you know, getting to the promised land in two years, in 20 years. No. Not at all. But I didn't let that stand in the way of me still doing what I can on a daily basis to work toward that goal with as much zeal, which has much heart as I do every single day. So, yeah, if you your idea is not, you know, is not powerful enough, if your idea is not big enough that it can be resolved in within a short period of time, you need to go back to the drawing board and think about an angle that will not only take a lifetime, that will take a couple of lifetimes. <laughs> That's powerful. That's so powerful. And you know what? I've never heard that said before, but there's always first on Unleashing the Future Work Live, a guy podcast. And it's I think it's such a tremendous outlook on how you think about the things that you do and do they matter, not only you know within your lifetime, but lifetimes beyond you. And you know, I think one of the things that makes you really, really rare, Lola, as a leader is that it's there's a conviction. And a, and a passion in what you do. And often I'm always 
advocating that people find that similar passion uh, on my platforms and in my community. And I want you to just touch a little bit about, you know, for you, how did you develop such conviction? Because I think for many people who are listening or watching this, you know, it's hard to stay inspired during times like this. What is that thing that continues to allow you to, to grow your conviction, right? Well, the first thing I will say is, uh, you know, essentially what I just said uh, in my response to Manic is that, you know, it is it isn't about the results. I don't think mm-hmm. that the result. I think we get we place way too much, um, uh, we place too much value on our results and not on our journey. And I think that the journey is where the action really is. I think that that is the fun part. I think that you know that is where we get to you know we get to be flexible. We get to you know say okay, I don't want to do it right now, and then you wake up the next day and give yourself a reason to start over. I think that the journey is what the focus should be on, and that was what my response was speaking to: the mm-hmm. fact that we should place a whole lot more value on the journey rather than on the results. That is my way, and it's it also partly answers your question uh, as one of the things that drive me as a person my recognition that I am not sitting here for an ooh-la-la you know, future that right. I intend to see is what I want to do. Like, you know, that is not, like, I am not driven by, by what I cannot yet see. I, I, mm. I'm not driven by that. I am driven by every single moment that something happens to validate that what I am trying to do and what I live for is worthy. So I like to call it, you know, I like to say that, you know, every time, okay, let me give you a sense of one of the things that actually helps me feel that. On our community, for instance, uh, what the regular day looks like is essentially women from cultures where largely our voices are not valued. Mm. You know, from a very early age, as early as age three, when you say something, you know, whether you're speaking out of turn or whether you're just saying something, showing any sense of self-awareness, someone comes to you, puts their fingers together, puts puts it on your side and pinch with a pinch. <laughs> you are essentially raised, and that thing hurts. We are essentially raised with pain to shut up. Mm. So when you're raised in an environment where, with a pinch and a shush, that no one is interested in hearing the words that are coming out of your mouth, that does something to you. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? So this is, I know what that feels like. And so that is what I am fighting and working to stop. So now I have had the privilege of creating a community that has completely ignited, not just me as an individual, but has actually ignited the passions of other women to say, you know what? I didn't think I wanted that. I didn't think I needed that, but I do. And I'm going to do everything within my power to ensure that the world also ends the culture of silence. And they're joining me in this movement and they're joining me every day. And so every time a woman talks on our group, every time a woman shares her story, which is what our community is about, us sharing our stories in defiance of the culture of silence. You see what I'm saying? So whenever that happens, whenever women come there every day to tell their stories, and they are talking about things that usually we would have gotten punished for, or we would have gotten shushed for talking about. Every time that happens, I have what I like to refer to as mini orgasms. (laughs) 
<laughs> because it's the journey. You're seeing exactly. it happen. You're seeing the outcomes exactly. happen within the journey. And it is constant. It is every day. Whenever someone, a woman says, oh, mm. I didn't think about it like that before. Wow. Ding, 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 ding. It's magic. The magic is from moment to moment. It is no, there is no end dates that I'm excited about and I'm looking forward to. It is an end journey. I, I don't even think there's an end to this journey. It is yeah. just a journey. And we're all in it together. And that is the fire. That is the joy that we get to collectively do it. I can do it within myself individually, but we also mm. get to collectively do it. And I think that that is the joy in it. Mm. Lola, that's so powerful. That that speaks to my heart and my soul in fundamentally ways that people probably can't even imagine. Because it, it, it really, it's a more granular view of the bigger picture and really enjoying the journey, no matter how hard and um, immense it is. You know, I want to show love to Mrs. Aaron, who's tuning in from Twitter. She is laughing because she's feeling what you're saying. And you know, I mentioned that that every time someone shares within the community, it's like a mini orgasm within your heart. I think that's really, really powerful. And she's also saying that, wow, your journey and your story is incredibly amazing. As Thank someone who is pursuing industrial and organizational psychology. This has helped her so, so much being able to relate with you and listen to you speak about your journey the way you are. You know, I also want to show love to Erica once again, who's saying, if our vision, and she's repeating you, if our vision is achievable in one lifetime, it's not big enough. She is saying that you are brilliant, Lola, and she's probably waiting for you to drop your book, which I am, and so many others are probably waiting as well. Um, I want to show love to Manic once again, who has been incredibly engaged. Shout out to Manic, Kamra. Very true, Lola. I think we fixate to certain outcomes and we attach ourselves to worth our self-worth to it. When that does not happen, we lose our motivation. It is important to love your journey and not fixate yourself to certain outcomes. They're just means to take us closer to our vision. Thoughts on that, Lola? Yeah, let me make this a little worse for you. <laughs> I have been doing what I do with my community. Yeah. I have been doing it for no pay, yeah. which essentially means that I am raising a nation <laughs> <laughs> behind something that is important to me. Mm. No expectation. And me not actively pursuing an option to, you know, to to make <laughs> to to actually monetize it. Now, no. don't make no mistake about it. I realize that those things don't have to all happen together. Mm -hmm. I part because it's important that I also pursue values-based, you know, revenue generation options that can help to continue the sustenance of the community. We are, mm -hmm. we are now at that phase where we're actively considering those options and working toward them. But I want you to know that the early, this early, all of this time, for the past, what, five years? Almost mm -hmm. five years now. It will, be, it will be five on September 11, 2000, uh, 2020. And that, all of that time, that has just never really been our priority. Yeah. And look what is possible. So imagine us doing that and, that and all of the huge sacrifice that comes with doing that and still being so driven to do it. It's not just me. It isn't just me. It is me and just a nation of women who are committed to this as well. They are there every day. They're doing the work. I have a team of, you know, admin and moderators who mm. are coming and they are working as hard as I am and they're giving as much as I am and they are sacrificing as much as, as I am. So, you know, at the end of the day, when your journey is so big, when your journey, you know, what's your, your vision is so big and your journey is so significant mm. and it's so real and it's so honest, I don't think you're the only one who will see it. Other people can look away 
like you or hate you, they can't look away. And they just feel like they need to be a part of it to help to expand it. Whether it makes sense, whether the end is unfathomable or not, or not, uh, you know, you get my point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So shout out to Nea Hussein. Love you, Lola. You are inspirational. Wow. <laughs> and also showing love to the amazing blessing Arogame, who is a fantastic community leader herself. Let the journey be the destination and the process be the goal. That's so inspirational coming from a wise, wise young lady. How do you feel about that, Lola? I feel like this is she's taking that from your wisdom book. <laughs> I I agree, blessing. I I I, I like it. I, I like it a lot. <laughs> so, you know, and shout out to Dana as well, who's been tuning into our conversation. She's saying this is a great conversation, simply put. Thank you so much for tuning in, Dana. You know, I want to ask you, you know, your transition to America, how did that affect and change your life trajectory in, um, in, in helping you create these inclusive environments? And especially given what's going on in the world where, you know, we're starting to be um, and, uh, you know, uh, we're, we're seeing a lot of moves and actions kind of taking away about taking away the value that immigrants bring to the table. You know, how did your transition to America, because similar to you, I'm an immigrant as well. How did that transition really help you uh, unleash a lot of the things that you're doing now? You know, as you already know, every step we take is taking us to something or to yeah. someone. Um, and so I think that, you know, from a very early age, it became clear to me where I needed to be. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, because of so much distraction, we don't always know what our purpose is or should be. And so for many of us, we're constantly struggling with trying to pinpoint what's, you know, what we should be working toward and, and why that should matter or why we should elevate one aspect of our lives over the other. I really think that the answer is in who we, you know, how we, we lived our lives even from childhood. I think yeah. that, you know, taking some time to reflect on, you know, the way where we were born, who were the other people who were part of our lives, you know, whose voices have made a difference for us, have changed some of the way we see ourselves. I think that the key and the answer is there, um, you know, because those things that we've experienced, watching our lives, really taking a step back to you know, work like an external individual who is watching our life unfold will actually give us a perspective about you know who we are and where you know how we how we live our lives. Period. So when I when I look back to my life in Lagos, Nigeria, I was mm -hmm. raised by parents who were really ultra liberal, like just super. <laughs> yeah super compassionate, super kind, like super helpful people. My mom, you know, highly educated. She was mm. laboratory, laboratory scientist, you know, worked hematology and blood transfusion. You know, she, she knows her audience. She loves it. She's good at it. So I watched, I grew up watching her do the work that it mm. takes to save people's lives. My dad, on the other hand, is essentially a superhero. Mm. He's my superhero. Um, this is a man who, in a, who was raised in an environment where men have absolute power, absolute power. Whatever it is that he has decided the trajectory of our lives will be is exactly mm -hmm. what it has to be. And so, you know, but he, every single day, he made a choice to do differently than society allowed him. Mm -hmm. You know, I would say I had a person that I would sit next to him and ask, ask 5 million questions, and he never once complained, and he would answer every single one. I grew up never seeing myself 
as my father's daughter, but as my father's child. And that I think is very deeply, you know, an important part of who I am. So fast forward to when I came to the United States, you know, and I, I, my experience did, was different, completely different. However, I wasn't really shell shocks or culture shocks because I was living in Lagos, which is, you know, essentially New York. <laughs> <laughs> it is. So, it was, you know, so that wasn't that wasn't a real culture shock there. Uh, mm. You know, I come from a very, a very, a very, a very American Africa. <laughs> I yeah. guess. I guess is what it is. But the bottom line is that I only learned that I was black when I got here. Wow. I didn't I didn't I didn't I didn't think about my skin color because everybody looked like me. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So yeah. but when I got here, I realized so many, I learned so many things. Uh I understood, I understand oppression, uh, I understand systemic uh, abuse. I understand all of those concepts from watching and seeing, recognizing the differences between my life as a black woman and the life and, and trajectory of an African American woman uh, whose you know experiences are, are similar to mine. And so, uh, watching all of this happen now, if is you know to speak to the question you asked and the way that I perceive all of the things that are happening right now is first, I have the privilege to look at it as someone who did not, who was not a descendant of slaves. Hmm. And therefore I am able to, I have the privilege of choosing to divorce myself from the experience of the African-American. Hmm. But I think that that would be absolute idiocy and that would be absolutely insane. And I believe that would be absolutely wrong. And that would make me a horrible person for me to divorce myself from the oppression on the body of black people. I, yeah. I, because when people look at me, they see a black woman, mm -hmm. regardless of where I'm coming from, regardless of who gave birth to me, regardless of what my story is, regardless of whether I am a descendant of slaves or not, when people look at me, they see a black woman. And number two, I know my, I know the history. I recognize the differences between my history and the African-American history, but I can also see the similarities between my history, my colonized history mm. and the African-American reality. It may have been largely my past that, oh, the colonization was my past, but every single day, the realities of colonialism is all over the place where I come from, even if I'm not there. So I'm able to see and draw the difference and the, you know, also see the similarities between our experiences. And that's the reason why I scream Black Lives Matter along with the African-Americans because their ancestors died is why I am able to be here smiling and continuing to live my life, even as a black woman. And enjoying the privileges that we all share, you know, it's a, it's it's truly an honor having you on the show, Lola. You know, I, I'm sure that everyone's been tuning in and listening and watching her, probably just as inspired and as um, woke <laughs> as I am just by having you on the show. You know, Lola, where can the amazing guy community, you know, follow more of your work and connect with your movement that you're building with Fit? Could you uh, could you ask that question again? <laughs> Of course, where can our amazing guy community follow and connect with your work as well as the movement that you're building with Finn? Um, there are several different ways uh, that you can do that. Uh, if you are a woman, you are able to immediately search for female in 
Uh, it's our community on Facebook. We had a, it was a hyper closed community. It was a secret community, which essentially means that only current members are able to add their friends. That was essential when we started building the community. But now we have relaxed those rules so that we can expand options uh, that allow women from anywhere to join our community. So whether you're a woman or identify as a woman, you are absolutely welcome on our community. Just look for it on Facebook and we vet and you know, you'll be allowed into the community. Um, so that is one way is to join our movement against uh, the culture of silence. Our, we have three, uh, three, major, uh, three major ways that we end the culture of silence. You know, see if that works for you and if that aligns with who you are and who you wanna be. The first one is to build through building compassion. The truth of the matter is one of the reasons why we remain silent is because we don't know if people care about what we have to say. And so it's necessary that, you know, we build compassion, especially in locations within cultures where compassion isn't exactly a strong suit. We need to build that compassion. We call it thin love. Our second pillar is, you know, encouraging peer-to-peer -peer support. The truth of the matter is no single person or no single entity has all the answers to fix all the questions. But together, we can make magic happen. So we work within each other to help make a difference for one another. And that's why we call that Finn spirit, spirit to peer support. And the third one is nurturing the power of self-expression. Just setting up where we need to, to respect what the other person has to say. And some other time, just, you know, uh, knowing when to let them know that, hey, I hear you, I see you, and what you say matters to me. We call that Fin Call. So you can definitely find us on Facebook, absolutely. And another thing is you can look for me. I am on Facebook, I'm on LinkedIn. You can <laughs> I know, and you can reach out to me and say, in what ways can I help? Uh, a third thing is you can support my work to, I'm actually um, in on a journey now to help educate everybody on the value of creating community and showing them exactly how, because it's one thing to want to, to have the will, you need the skill. And I know how to bring people together. And so I can show you how, but you can come into my inbox and I'll be able to give you, you know, details as to how to achieve that. But, you know, then uh, I'm also working with women to advance, you know, how they think about life and how they work uh, through their lives and their own uh, personal issues. So if you, you can do that by joining our community um, on Finn Champions. You, all you just have to do is go to www.femalein.org, femalein.org. And I and shared the website too in the comments as well. Thank you very much. Femalein.org allows you to just join Finn Champions right now. We're still working on our website to build it out. But right now you can join <laughs> and, and be part of this, movement for learning and not just learning regular boring stuff like we dig deep so we heal and we learn at the same time so that is what you know that community is so those are the ways that you can support me right now i love it i love it thank you so much lola oh, and oh, you men out i think i left men out and remember, <laughs> men, remember men i don't want to leave men out because the people who have had the most impact on my life growing up are the men mm. around me not just when I was a child, but also every single day of my life, my mentors, my coaches, my father, my uncles, and my extraordinary husband of, you know, my sweetheart of more than 20 years. So yeah, the men in my life, and then Tim, Tim, 
<laughs> you know, because who is, who is doing extraordinary things to, I like my voice and provided me this platform to express myself. I value you. I respect you. I'm thankful for you. So men can support as well. Send me a message and I'll be happy to direct you to ways that you can support us women. I'll have your woman, your wife, your girlfriend, your daughter, join Finn. I love it. I love it. So shout out to Manic, who's saying where there is no expression, there is oppression. And Mrs. Aaron, who's saying she was just expecting professional advice, but she's left with many points to apply her ministry work as well. So you are on fire, Lola, and she's on fire based on the words that you've shared. The last word today is going to go to Erica Benedum, the amazing Erica Benedum. Lola, thank you for your inclusive language with Identify as a Woman. Words matter and shape our thinking. You are such an incredible person, and I have appreciated learning from you. Your conviction and strength are inspiring to me. Thank you for leading the way. With that said, Lola, thank you so much for showing up on this live episode of Unleashing the Future of Work. I really appreciate you, and we definitely need to have you on a future episode. Absolutely. Just <laughs> let me know. Let me know what you need, Tim. I support. Oh, thank you, Lola. I appreciate you. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. With that said, thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of Unleashing the Future of Work, A Guy Podcast Live. Just talked to two amazing women who are doing great things and building their movements from Arlen Hamilton to Lola Omalola. I mean, I'm pretty much blown away right now, and I'm probably just going to go take a walk and take a break and just kind of digest everything that they just shared. But I think the, the most important thing for me is realizing that we have so much potential as a nation, as people to build the future we want to see. So definitely take that opportunity within yourself. Like what can you build right now that you can commit to, have conviction around, and more importantly, carry with you for a lifetime and beyond. With that said, if you're interested in being a part of our guide beta program, check out guideapp.co and sign up for our early beta. We're onboarding amazing creators to start building our platform moving forward. In addition to that, if you're interested or know someone that would be a perfect guest for a future episode of Unleashing the Future of Work, a guy podcast, check out utfow.com, utfow.com, and sign up to sponsor or be a guest on a future episode. With that said, thank you so much for tuning in, and I'm going to talk to you tomorrow, and I wish you peace, love, and abundance. Talk soon.